Situational awareness is critical in the day-to-day operations of any pilot. Without it, they're left vulnerable to mistakes and a threat to other airspace users. It's a skill which is built on and needs to be maintained throughout a pilot's career. In this episode, I discuss what situational awareness is and some scenarios and ways we can improve it. All that and more coming right up. So strap in and let's get into it. G'day everyone and welcome to episode 48 of Flight Training Australia podcast, a podcast all about flight training and flying in Australia and beyond. I'm your host Trent Robinson, thank you for joining me. Hope you've all had a fantastic week, it's been an interesting one up here in the Territory the first little bit of rain. Uh, this place is quite incredible. It's uh, it, it, it runs to precision. Uh, the stroke of midnight, September one, clouds show, a bit of moisture in the air, and uh, there's some rain. Three days in a row, albeit light in some places, but uh, some reasonably heavy falls in others. So uh, we're definitely moving towards the end of the dry season and into the build-up and the wet season. Uh, towards the end of the year so flying will get a bit more challenging at times that is for sure looking forward to it situational awareness or SA the simplest explanation of situational awareness is that it involves an accurate understanding of what is going on around you and what is likely to happen next in aviation that means having an appreciation of everything you need to know about flying and controlling or maintaining an aircraft. We can break this down into three steps. Perception, understanding and thinking ahead. By perception, we mean gathering data on what is currently happening. Understanding, deciphering what we have gathered and what has been perceived. And thinking ahead, the use of information and planning ahead based on that data. Now, sounds good in principle, but the trick is how we achieve this depends on our license, ratings, experience, our aircraft type, weather conditions, and who else we are flying with in the same airspace. Good information can help with the building of good SA, but things like fatigue, workload stress and distractions can bring it all undone very, very quickly. Is it possible to tell? if you have a deteriorating situational awareness? Do you keep missing radio calls? Are you asking other aircraft for their position when they've already been given it? Do you automatically read back clearances without really processing it and thinking about what was said? Are you falling behind the aircraft? These are just a few signs that your SA is not where it should be. So let's have a look at some common scenarios where situational awareness is important and how it can vary between different pilots. Now, remembering, we can have a huge mix of VFR and IFR trained pilots, VMC, IMC conditions, recreational pilots. This could be anything from RPL, RAOs, gliders, paragliders, etc., private and commercial pilots, mixing with airline professional pilots, and even military pilots. Class G or D airports can have a huge amount of varied traffic throughout the day and night, of all different performance levels and all different experience levels. So situational awareness can be based on several things, 
but one major one being, where are you and where are they? Now, depending on your experience, you could describe the exact same position in many different ways. For example, a VFR basic train pilot might just say, approximately 20 miles to the south. A commercial or IFR pilot might say that they're 2-3 GNSS inbound on the 192 radial or bearing. And an IFR airline pilot conducting instrument approach might say that they're 5 nautical miles south-southeast of Sierra Juliet. So as you can see, the same position means different things to different people and varies greatly in degrees of accuracy. And that's assuming it was even done correctly. How many times have you reported your position or heard someone else say they're in the opposite hemisphere? 10 miles south when they're really to the north. So with this information, your situation awareness can break down before it's even begun. So how can we be more accurate with our position description to help ourselves build our picture of where we are and let everyone else know where we are and what we're going to do? Well, obviously, right now, we have the use of things like electronic flight bag tablets and GPS data. From that, we can reference the inbound waypoint. We can tell people exactly our distance to run, our inbound track, and our relative bearing or radial from that track. It's very descriptive. It's nice and accurate, and it'll tell you exactly where you are. We could also use this to help us determine where we are in the airspace. Is there CTA or restricted airspace or aerodromes in front of us? What are the tracks and distances? Estimated time of arrivals to the nearest minute? But it must be done with integrity checks of the data, meaning you check the correct waypoint, the tracks and the distances all make sense and match your flight plan to avoid entering incorrect waypoints. Otherwise, again, situation awareness will break down straight away. Now, estimated time of arrivals to the nearest minute is also important. If you're just guesstimating your rough ground speed with your rough distance, with your rough position, you're going to give a rough estimate. Now, I can tell you that we will commonly base other aeroplanes' estimates to the circuit to plan our arrival in high-performance aircraft. If you give a circuit position or circuit joint of 3.8 and I'm 4.0, I've got two options, speed up and get in front of you or slow down and separate myself from you, which is generally going to be what we do. But if your 3.8 is actually more like 4.2, well, now I've just slowed down and put myself in harm's way and created a threat situation. So you can see how situational awareness is important and it's not just about see hear and avoid but we also need to make sure that we're giving everyone else as accurate information as possible so we can all make good sound decisions however as mentioned this only works if everyone around you understands it so the best way ultimately to give your position is to be as accurate as possible as you can using the above methods but express it the old-fashioned way, like I did when I started my training, and that's using the compass quadrant. North, north-northeast, northeast, east-northeast, and east, etc. 
this makes a difference, especially to someone who knows what they're doing, because it will help them be able to separate themselves from you if they deem a potential risk. Whilst it might not mean much to you, pilots with more capacity will be able to use this information and make everyone's life much, much easier. If you're an IFR pilot, avoid using IFR waypoints unless you're talking to another IFR aircraft familiar with the approach and the area you're operating in. If you were to tell them on an RNEV approach that you're five miles north of Sierra Juliet, it doesn't help a VFR pilot and potentially other IFR pilots in the area, especially if there's another uh, waypoint or approach that uses a similar name. Similarly, VFR. A lot of IFR pilots aren't familiar with some VFR landmarks and waypoints. Uh, terminologies can lead to a situational awareness breakdown. Even when you fly in the area regularly, the difference between IFR and VFR waypoints um, or even some IFR waypoints that aren't used regularly enough can cause confusion. This, however, is typically in a commercial uh, environment, in controlled airspace, so you can simply ask the controller to spell it out for you. Now, what I sometimes will see is pilots then frantically try and find this one waypoint in amongst another thousand on their chart. There's no need. Simply get it spelt out, put it into the flight plan in the right sequence, and then go to your map screen. That will show you where it is, and then you can orientate and build your situational awareness based on that information. That's where you are. That's where it is. How about in the circuit? Radio calls are the big thing here, as well as see, hear, and avoid. So for outbound, taxiing, Class G airspace, I often have students broadcast at a Class G aerodrome, make a taxi call, and then pull out onto the runway shortly after to either backtrack or line up. They look and check, but it doesn't give anyone time to respond. What if there's a fast aircraft on base or downwind or just out of sight? Hasn't had the capacity to make their broadcast yet because they're just busy at the time. They're aviating, navigating, and then communicating. I point this out often when they're later in, in their training or actually up airborne flying and in the very position. They're busy on base or final. Someone's made a taxi call or some broadcast. Uh, aircraft enters and backtracks and they're not going to be clear of the runway in time by the time we reach the runway. You need to see, hear, and avoid at all times, build a mental picture, but also give pilots time to respond so you can do the same. What about inbound to a circuit? Depending on where they are or where you are, there can be a huge range in pilot experience and aircraft performance. From a Cessna 172 to a Boeing 737, there's a huge performance range. So are right-of-way rules enough? You can imagine even with just one Cessna in a circuit, the likelihood of a 737 being able to fly a circuit and maintain separation behind it simply is not practical. So situational awareness always means common sense must also prevail. There have been many instances where two pilots are making more than enough radio calls, including the necessary ones, informing everyone of their positions. 
yet somehow separation still breaks down and a near-miss or mid-air collision results, either through stubbornness or one pilot's interpretation of their right-of-way. There are times where we simply must all work together. It's not just about the big guy always getting right-of-way. It's about far easier options of manoeuvring aircraft and what's going to work for everybody to get what everybody needs and ultimately stay safe. It's much easier to manoeuvre a 172 out of the way than a 737. I know, however, whilst flying the King Air, plenty of pilots were shocked when I offered to slow down or widen out to allow them to continue ahead. It's about working together for the most efficient outcome and the overall safety of everyone concerned. So talk to other aircraft, establish everyone's intentions and work together to make it happen and ultimately stay safe. If you'd like to know some more, there's uh, plenty of material online about situational awareness. CASA have some uh, work booklets on their website and there's also quite a good video on their YouTube channel which is good to watch. As always, I'll link those in the episode description below and if you have any other great resources, feel free to share them with me. All right, so that's it for this week's episode. Thank you again for listening, everyone. Remember, love hearing the feedback. Uh, Keep those reviews coming on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts, written reviews. They mean the world to me, and I do read them and check up on them all. You can uh, email me anytime, info at trentrobinsonaviation.com.au. You can also get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just look for Trent Robinson Aviation. And you can support me further by joining me on Patreon. As I've mentioned before, several memberships. It helps keep the show going. And all memberships are tax deductible. And all funds raised through Patreon will go directly back into the production of of the podcast and a YouTube channel with all the stuff that's coming soon. So check that out, patreon.com forward slash flight training Australia for more information on how you can help me help you. Just like Tom Forsyth did. Thanks, Tom. Awesome to have you on board, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Until next week, blue skies and remember the golden rule. Aviate, navigate, communicate. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>